Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Allen. We're so happy that you're here. You picked a good Sunday to come. We're starting a new series. We usually take a few weeks and talk on a specific topic. And the new topic is game plan. And it's actually going to go six weeks. And you're here for part one, fundamentals of the game. And uh, hopefully you can join us for, if not all, most of this, this series. If not, if you missed one or want to hear it again, it's on our, the audio is on our website. <clears throat> Great week this week, weather-wise, right? Uh, I was a little shocked this morning, but uh, uh, it was really nice, especially Thursday and Friday. I was out running both days. So, game plan. This series addresses one of the biggest, if not the biggest question we all have. It's probably the question, as a pastor, I get asked more than anything else with different, in different ramifications. And uh, so I got to thinking about it's basically about decision making. So I don't know, some of you school teachers may be helping help with this. Uh, back in the eighth grade, they asked me to decide what I wanted to do in my life, basically. They still do that. Because in ninth grade, you either start, in our day, my day, it was either, uh, what was it called? <laughs> uh, general studies, and then there was academic, if you wanted to go to college, and there was something else, commercial or something else. Uh, kind of business. And so as an eighth grader, you have basically decide at least what path you wanted to go, uh, you know, the rest of your life. So I wanted to ask a simple question. How many of you picked that right in ninth grade? Did you get that right? How many of you got that right? I got that right. Three of us? <laughs> so those of you in the school system, probably not a good system then if only three of us got it right. <clears throat> All right, so in my case, I wanted to go to college. In fact, nobody in my family has ever gone to college. So this is kind of a big deal. In fact, my parents never even finished high school. In fact, my dad basically just finished elementary school. So this was a pretty big deal. So I picked academic, and, and it was a wise choice for me. And then you get to that, like, 11th, 12th grade, you've got to decide if you're an academic what school you're going to go to, right? They have that vocational thing now, right? You, you get to pick what kind of trade you want to do. And so and then you pick uh, what school you want to go to, what's your major going to be. Now, <clears throat> I'll ask you another question. How many of you are still in whatever you majored in in college? Two, three, four, five, six. That's not too bad. I changed my major on the first day of college. <laughs> Some of you heard this story. Uh, between uh, the summer... Of 69, believe it or not, that's how old I am. Summer of 69, I went to the orientation at the University of Maryland for engineering. And on the first day of class, I changed my major to history. Uh, I'll tell you a little bit more about in the coming, coming weeks. <clears throat> okay, so you get into college, you pick your college, get into college, you, you have to pick your course of study, you may change your major like I did. Uh, if or when you graduate from there, for me, since I was going to go into the ministry, I was wanting a master's degree, so I had to decide where to go to get my master's degree. So I visited a seminary in Louisville, and I wound up going to one in North Carolina. <clears throat> three years later, believe it or not, a master's, uh, <laughs> master's divinity takes three years to get full-time student. Uh, then you decide, okay, now I have my degree, where am I going to go to work? Or where's the church going to be? Where's it going to be? And uh, so that's a biggie decision. The same time for me, anyway, some of you it might have been sooner, hey, I'd like to have a partner in all this rest of my life, so where am I going to find uh, that right somebody? <clears throat> and 
And so life just goes on, series of decision after series of decisions, right? You know, where am I going to live? And then am I renting, buy a house? When do I buy a house? What kind of house? Et cetera, et cetera. When do I sell that house and buy a bigger house? When do I change jobs? When do I have kids? And then, then there's a whole quest, uh, questions about kids, right? So when our son Josh, our oldest, got to be five years old, we had to decide about schooling. And this was back in the old days when nobody was homeschooling. We decided to homeschool, believe it or not. Homeschooled all four of our kids all the way through. Some of you did homeschooling for a while. and You know, Christian school, private school, home school uh, public school. All kinds of decisions. You get involved in sports, get involved in music. Decision after decision after decision. And a lot of it seems to be a mystery, right? Uh, especially like when I got a seminary, I was trying to find a church and find a job. And, uh, yeah, where? How? Where do I go? And it's kind of like, we just finished football season, but it's kind of like uh, the quarterbacks have these headphones, right? I think they do anyway. And the coach on the sidelines tells them in their head, you know, this is the next play. And every time, once in a while you hear them going like, see them going like this, right? Why are they doing that? Because they're not here, right? They're not getting input from the coach. And that's the kind of life seems like a lot of time, right? I just don't get, I'm not getting any help from outside uh, uh, what the next plan is supposed to be. What's the next step supposed to be? So why does it seem so hard? Now, if you're a Jesus follower and you believe in the Bible and, and all that, you read your Bible, it seems so easy for most of those guys, right? Somehow, you know, God spoke to to Noah, build this ark, you know. And God spoke to Abraham, you know, leave your country. And then later, go sacrifice your son. And, and you can have, that's got to be pretty clear, clear communication to do that, right? And then Moses, there was a burning bush. In one place, there's a donkey speaking to this guy. And, you know, angels show up and talk. It just seems so easy. I mean, if an angel showed up and told me, I, hey, I think I get it. Uh, that's, that's pretty easy. I have never seen an angel. Maybe you have, but I haven't. So, it, it just seems hard. So, this series is going to be about decision-making. And we're going to start with this basic question. If you're not a Jesus follower, we're delighted that you're here checking us out. And you, you have a form of this question, uh, even if you're not. And here's our question we're going to deal with. God, what should I do with my life? And if you're not a Jesus follower, you, can, you still have the question, what do you do with your life, right? And it's not a question you just ask once. It's a question you continually ask through your life. Uh, we've got a lady in our church. Her mom is 89 and she's living in a condo and her sight's going, uh, going and she's trying to decide, can I stay in my condo or am I going to go into assisted living? 89 years old. You're still asking the question, right? What do I do with my life? How do I find the answers? And if you're a Jesus follower, you want to Find the right answers. All of us want to find the right answers, right? We want to get in a job we like and get in relationships with people that we're compatible with, etc., etc. So I'm going to give you a premise for this series for the next six weeks. Here's the premise. There is a God and He has a great plan for your life. Not just a plan, but a great plan for your life. And the promise is, and I'm going to try and fulfill this promise over the next six weeks. Here it is. You're going to be equipped to understand how to find God's plan for your life. So we're just going to do the foundation today and it might be a little frustrating for you because we're not going to give you a lot, a lot of equipment but we're going to try and equip you over the next six weeks to understand how to find this 
good or great plan God has for you, your life? Find the answer to that question. So, where do you think we ought to start? Well, if it's God's plan, we ought to start with God. I think that's a makes sense, wouldn't it? So, if you get a Bible or you, or you go to a website, you can, you know, Google something like God's will or God's plan. And we're going to get a concordance in the old days. And you'll find a whole list of things that's God's will for our lives. And so I'm just going to put a few of them on the screen because it would be a really long list. So let's kind of look at the list here. Pray without ceasing. The Bible says that. That's God's will for you and I if you're a Jesus follower. Give thanks in everything. Tough to do, but that's again the destruction we're given. God's plan for our lives. Rejoice always. <laughs> and another one, tough one sometimes. Submit to authorities. And we just finished talking about marriage and submitting to one another in marriage. Avoid sexual immorality. Uh, be saved. Connect with God. Uh, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the list goes on and on and on. Okay, so we could just go home now, right? Everybody knows what God's will is for their life. You just got a whole list up here. What's the problem? It's not very satisfying, is it? And the reason is, this is about generalities, isn't it? And all those things I talked about earlier are about specifics. And this list doesn't answer where do I go to college or who do I marry or how do I educate my kids? What do I do in retirement? That's what I'm thinking about now, trying to figure that one out. So, is God even concerned about details? And my answer to you would be absolutely. And I sometimes say, I don't think he cares what shirt I wear <laughs> but, uh, or socks, but he does care about a lot of the specifics of life, especially the, those big ones. And so he does, he, he wants to communicate that with you and I. In fact, God created communication. So it's, it, there's got to be a way for him to communicate what this plan is for you and I. Now, most of you are probably not old enough to remember this, but I remember the first Super Bowl, all right? Believe it or not, it wasn't that big a deal back then. Uh, pretty, pretty hard to imagine nowadays. <clears throat> uh, who knows who won the first two Super Bowls? Green Bay Packers, that's right. Okay. <clears throat> who was their coach? Vince Lombardi. What's the trophy you win for the Super Bowl called? Lombardi Trophy. Hey, you guys are sharp. <laughs> you know your football. All right. So um, he was one of the greatest coaches probably that, that we have ever seen, right? And so let me tell you what he used to do. First day of camp, football camp, whenever that starts, in August, July or August. He'd get his players together. And back then it would be people like uh, Bart Starr and Paul Horning and Ray Nischke. These guys are all in the Hall of Fame now, right? And uh, they won other championships before they got to the Super Bowl was created. And so he was a great coach. He had great teams. First day of uh, practice, here's what he'd do. He'd say, guys, I want you to pay attention. This is really, really important. And here's what he'd say. He said, this is a football. And this is what it's shaped like. It has laces here. And you hold it like this. And if you spin it or spiral it, you can do a spiral and it, it travels through the air better. If you kick it, it may go end over end. And when it hits the ground, you never know where it's going to go. And so I want you to pass this around and I want you all to look at it very carefully. Now, if you're a Bart Star or Paul Horning, you're thinking to yourself, Coach, I've been playing for 20 years. I'm a star. 
What's the whole deal? And the deal is this. He says, you've got to understand the fundamentals because we're going to get to a game plan with very details. And there's going to be a gap in our communication if we don't all have the same common ground, the same foundation, the same fundamentals to build on our game plan. And so it proved pretty successful uh, for Vince Lombardi. So the fundamentals of how do I know what God wants me to do with my life? How do I find that plan? Sometimes we say, how can I find God's will for my life? So we're going to look at something that Paul wrote. Paul, um, <clears throat> we'll talk about in a couple weeks. He, he made it his mission in life to wipe out the church and then God communicated with him in a dramatic way and then he made it his goal to, to grow the church. And he would write letters and we're going to look at one of the letters he, he wrote. Just a couple of verses as he deals with this question about the fundamentals of knowing God's plan for your life. So we're jumping in here in the middle of the letter. Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, <clears throat> okay, so once you step across that line, uh, it's a new life, it's, it's a new beginning, it, it's different than your life before that. And many of you have done that, and if you haven't, we hope you do that one day. But since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights so we're on this side now. We're in God's family. Set your sights on, I love this phrase, the realities of heaven. Now most of us say, no, but what's re this is the reality. This stool and this building and you and I are realities. Heaven's kind of a, <laughs> a vague thing, right? And uh, that's natural for us to think that way. And Paul's saying, no, 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 that's, you, you got it wrong. <laughs> this is not what's really real. This is all temporary. What's really real and what's permanent is heaven. Have you ever had, ever had one of those days just kind of, uh, kind of a pain in the neck? Everything seems to go wrong. Uh, you just kind of get this stress. You get this pain back here. And you kind of walk around, around like this because you're just trying to deal with that load or that pressure on you. I'm sure we all have had one of those days. And Paul says, hey, <laughs> you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to look up. Don't get trapped in the, what you think are the realities of day-to-day -day life, but look up to the realities, what's really real. Uh, the greater reality, if you will, of, of heaven. So then he goes on, explains a little bit more. Uh, the realities of heaven where Christ sits at the place of honor at God's right hand. Now, God's right hand is uh, a symbol of power. So God's on his throne... He's all powerful. If you're on his right hand side, what are you then? Remember the disciples wanted to sit on Jesus' right and left? You know, Jesus is all powerful. If I'm on his right, I am what? Second most powerful. And if I'm on his left, I'm the third most powerful. So he's talking about a place of power. And he says, <clears throat> if you put yourself in this place, It'll lead you to a powerful place. And what I'm saying is the powerful place is you're going to know what God's plan is for your life. What God wants you to do with your life. So he reiterates, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. You know, you and I are trapped about 99% of the time thinking about what? Things of earth, right? Day-to-day -day life. On and on and on. We're, we're kind of almost trapped in that. And he says, no, 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 no. You can't do that. You can't let yourself get trapped in that. Think about 
the things of heaven, not the things of earth. It reminded me of, of the Negro slaves and the Negro spirituals. What are most of the Negro spirituals about? Who knows? About heaven, right? Why? Because their life here on earth was lousy, right? <laughs> Who wants to be a slave? So they sang about this greater reality. They sang about heaven. And he says, hey, that's where our focus needs to be. And then he says something really interesting in the next verse. He says, for you have died to this life. Now to have a new life, the old one's got to be gone, right? So the way the Bible describes it is you died to that old life. And that's why we say, you know, it's a new beginning. Uh, all that old stuff is, is forgiven. It's like forgotten. It doesn't matter. Because now you started anew. You died to that old life. Let me try and illustrate this way. There's a guy in the Bible by the name of Lazarus. Some of you know the story. He got some bad news. He said, <laughs> they told him you're sick and you're going to die. So he does die. But he has some good news too because he's really good friends with who? With Jesus. Jesus is a good friend of his. And so Jesus shows up like four days later and says, hey, no problem. Lazarus, come on out of the grave. And he does. Come back to life. Now here's the problem. The religious leaders in Jesus' day didn't believe in Jesus, obviously. And so they were telling everybody, he's a fake, he's a fraud, you don't need to listen to him. But it's kind of hard to convince people that Jesus is a fraud if he brings somebody back to life, right? And so they come up with this plan, believe it or not, religious leaders, they later do to kill Jesus, to kill Lazarus. And somebody comes along and says, hey, hey, the religious leaders are trying to kill you. Now, I'm just, this is just conjecture on your part. But I, if I'm Lazarus, I'm thinking, ah, no deal. No big deal. Been there, done that. Right? Been there, done that. And I believe Lazarus had a, had a perspective that none of us have and all of us should have. Hey, well, I'm just passing through this world. There's a greater reality. There's a greater peace. There's a greater assurance. There's a greater joy. There's just, it's just so, so much greater than, than what we're trapped here on earth. By the way, they, they didn't carry out their plot. So what do you and I think about? Like I said, most of the time we think about <laughs> the realities on earth. The things right in front of us. And, and it's not totally wrong. But we can't stay there. We can't stay trapped there. <clears throat> and then he goes on. We died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Now this has two implications here. If you're not a Jesus follower, this whole Jesus thing is kind of hidden. It's kind of confusing. It's kind of like a mystery. Um, but once you cross that line, and it begins to become clearer and clearer to you, you begin to understand more and more. But it also refers to the fact that once you do that, the word really literally means you're safe. You're safe in, with Christ in God. You're safe. He's got you. You don't have anything to worry about. You're taken care of. You're hidden with Christ. You're safe. And then the next little phrase here answers our question. When Christ, who is your life. When Christ, who is your life. What's our question, God? <laughs> what is your plan for my life? And God says, me, 
That's the answer. I mean, God desires it for everybody, but if you're Jesus follower, the answer to that question is me, God. Now, here's where the confusion comes in. Most of us approach life, even as Jesus followers, this way. We think that God is only a component of our life. I've got my life, I've got my relationships, I've got my my schooling, I've got my friends, I've got my money, etc., etc., etc. You know, and I read my Bible some, I might go to church some, I put some money in the offering plate, but it's all mine, right? My life, my plans, my goals, my goal. Uh, but as a Jesus follower, you and I can't do that. Or it's bad theology, it's a bad thinking, it's a bad approach to life. You can bring that next slide up. Uh, he's not just a component of our lives. Now we kind of start out that way. But God loves us too much to leave us there. He says, no, 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 I'm not just a component of your life. I'm not just an add-on. I'm not just part. I am to be your life. I put it on your outline this way. God says, I am your life. There's a Bible verse. I didn't put it on here. Where, Jesus, where it says, that you're bought with a price. You're not your own. So if you buy something from somebody else, it's not theirs anymore, right? So Jesus has bought your life. You're not your own. So he's not, it's not a component. He is to be our life. Another way to think about it is this way. The focus of my life then doesn't become on the future. There's all this decision about where am I going to go to school? Where am I going to, you know, what am I going to do with my kids? What are my kids going to do? What am I going to do when I retire? That's all about the future. And we have to figure some of that stuff out. But what Paul is telling us here is the focus of my life is a person, is Jesus, all right? And it's focused on the now. We say following Jesus, changing together. If I truly believe that Jesus is God, he's got it all figured out, he's got it all in control, he's, he, he, he's the wisest person ever, ever lived, and I follow him, everything else is basically details, right? Everything else is details. He will lead me to the future that is that good plan for my life. And anything about it is you get this gift of this tremendous peace or assurance. Isn't it wonderful when you make a decision and just know it's right? Like when I got engaged to my wife. I just knew it was right. It was just a wonderful decision. So, focus on Jesus, all the rest is details. Important details. I understand it. You say, well, I got a decision to make this week or next week. I understand that. We can't cover everything this week. And like I said, it might be a little unsatisfying today, but by the end of these six weeks, you'll have some tools, for a better word, to be able to figure that out. So, let me give you another illustration. Now, I don't know about this crowd. How many of you know what these are? You still know, people still know what these are these days? Uh, this is something I grew up with. They're called Cracker Jacks, all right? And uh, what's not like the, the love, right? Caramel-covered popcorn and peanuts. All right, it's a great snack. I love this. But there was one thing that made this snack better than all the other snacks. I used to eat candy bars and other things. There's something else about this snack that makes it really special, isn't it? What is it? 
Fries inside, absolutely. And, and you know, I couldn't remember one of the prizes. <laughs> well, I mean, as much as you spend for this box, it can't be worth very much, right? <laughs> the fries inside. But just the fact that there's a prize inside made it so much more appealing and attractive, even though the snack is good. And by the way, if it's vegan people, it's vegan, okay. I can, I can still eat this as a vegan. But anyway, so what's true about this box is true of you and me if you're Jesus' follower. There's a prize inside of you. There's a prize inside of you. And it's not like the prize in this box. <laughs> it's not a cheap prize. It's the most wonderful prize in the world. We believe that the Spirit of God himself comes inside us. We talk about Jesus being with you or beside you or for you. It's better than that, right? He's inside of us. And when you understand that, you understand that the answer to this question, what is God's plan for my life, is about letting that Spirit out or letting that Spirit flow out. And it's about now. It's not about the future. I put it on your outline this way. Let God be God in your world. Wherever your world is, whatever you're doing, if you're still in school, or later in school, or whatever job you're in, or if you're retired, whatever it is, parenting or grandparenting, whatever it might be. The focus isn't on the future. And again, we'll talk about that. But the focus, that's not what the focus is. Earlier on in this same letter, Paul wrote this. <clears throat> to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of his mystery. What's the mystery? Christ in you. The hope of glory. That's your hope. That's your hope to the answer to that question. What is God's plan for my life? What is God's will for my life? What does God want me to do? So again, this series is going to be about decision making. But you have to start with the fundamentals and this is the fundamental. So I kind of put it in one phrase on your outline. Here it is. He, God, Holy Spirit, is the prize inside of me and you if you're Jesus' follower. And if my focus will be on him, he will lead me to his plans. Let me, I love this story. I'm going to tell you a story about, a, about another pastor and his wife. And then we'll wrap this up. <clears throat> uh, their son is, we'll call him Johnny. That's not his real name, but he, uh, they're putting their six-year-old son, Johnny, to bed. <clears throat> and they're, you know, wrestling around, playing, joking around with him. And the dad asks, Johnny, who do you love more, your mom or your dad? Terrible question. Parents, don't, don't ever ask your kids that question. Uh, and then the mom says, yeah, who, Johnny, who do you love more, your dad or me? And then they start saying, well, Johnny, you know, you and I, we play ball together and we wrestle around on the floor together and, you know, and all that. And the mom says, you know, uh, we, play, we have fun doing this and, you know, I cook all and pack your lunch and do all this, give you snacks and all this stuff. And they're kind of talking into saying, you know, it's me or him or her. And uh, little Johnny's getting a little stressed out about this. And finally he says, uh, I, I think I'll take God. Now, for a pastor... For any of you, if you're Jesus follower, your six-year-old come back without answer. Tears came to their eyes, right? I think I'll simply go with God. I love him the most. 
So whatever stresses, whatever confusion you might have in your life now, I want to give you an action step, homework, a plan for this week. I'm going to phrase it three different ways, but it's basically the same thing. All right? Like little Johnny, simply go with God. All right? Just simply go with God this week. I mean, if you've got a decision you've got to make this week, obviously you've got to make it. But if the decision is going to happen next week or the next week or next week, just, just, just let it go. Just simply go with God. You know, one reason we get so exhausted in life is we try and control what we can't control. Right? So just let it go. Simply go with God. Secondly, shift your focus from the future to your Savior. Yeah, 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 I need to decide, you know, if I should be in this relationship or not, or should I take this job or not, or should I change jobs, or... You get all these decisions. Shift your focus from the future to your Savior. Again, just seven days, just this week, okay? Another way to say it is just rest. Or just, just rest, okay? God, you got this. I'm just going to rest. Now, the interesting thing is, when we get this foundation down, it changes our question. What was the question we started out? God, what is your plan for my life? Here is the better question. God, what should I do with your life that's with inside of me? What should I do with your life inside of me? This great prize is inside of me. So that's what our foundation, that's what we're going to start with. Next week I'm going to talk about three aspects of God's will. And we'll start to build on how do I answer that question. Hopefully you can join us. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. We thank you that you have a great plan for our lives. And even though sometimes it seems hard for us to figure it out, you really desire that we know it. You're not trying to hide it. And there's some, a lot of things we can do to, to figure that out and have assurance about it. But this week we're going to focus on just, just focus on you, God. Just rest in you and not focus on the future. So help us to do that. And anyone that's not a Jesus follower here today, we would encourage you to do that. Step across that line. Because God does have a great plan for your life. And, that, and that's where it starts. And uh, that's all you need to do. Just say, yes, I want to do that. Uh, We thank you, Jesus, that you provide that connection or reconnection with God and that our sins can be forgiven and we can go forward with your spirit in us, empowered and with wisdom. And we ask these things in Jesus' name.